0: A sports night last night for Minnesota fans amazing twins big win, final four Minnesota boy Jalen Suggs tell me oh, yeah. what, would, what, what was what were you feeling at the moment when Jalen Suggs drains <laughs> the three pointer at the buzzer in overtime yeah, to send yeah. Gonzaga. To the finals in the NCAA Final Four. How are you feeling when you saw that moment live? You know, uh, uh, I saw it. Um, the one
1: word that you might have to take out of that sentence is live. Um, <laughs> I was working actually. Both during the Twins game and the Gonzaga game, so I didn't get to see either of those things, um, which sounds like it
0: was quite a bummer, um, to say the least. Uh, the joys of working on the restaurant in the restaurant industry, where you're working when everything is happening that's worth watching.
1: Yeah, yeah, it definitely made me feel like I might have to pick up a morning shift or two. Uh, just to, you know, give myself a shot to see uh, some of these. Apparently, uh, things that hardly ever happen or have ever happened before, you know, like two pitchers going six no-hit innings dueling. You seen that before, I don't think. I think that was a, a stat that we saw. And then, yeah, like this Jalen Suggs kid pulling up from the logo, like he's Damian Lillard or Steph Curry and just sending the zags on against the that ucla can we talk do you want to talk about this ucla team for a second like well first of all let's welcome everybody playing catch yeah exactly we don't want to get ahead of ourselves
0: playing catch ben and bruce uh father and son Son and, fa- son and father. Back at it again. <laughs> Back at it. And we got a lot of talk about it because there's a lot of cool stuff that happened. We're just getting into it a little bit last night if you're a Minnesota sports fan. I mean, we can get into all kinds of other stuff that's going on in Minnesota sports right now. It's actually a pretty cool time. But the bottom line is that Twins baseball is happening. NCAA Final Four with some pretty talented Minnesota mm-hmm. athletes. Uh, Playing in both the men's and women's so there's a lot of cool things happening, but yeah Let's talk a little bit about this game last night I did only watch the second half because I was watching the Twins because I am a loyal twins fan and I've been waiting only Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. five months for the beginning of the season Uh, so but uh, for me it was a outstanding final four game one of the best honestly that I can recall in terms of two teams going back and forth with outstanding talent on both ends performing at the highest level it was a fantastic game so even if it wouldn't have ended like that last night with Suggs draining the three-pointer from half court it would have been still a classic in my opinion it's an excellent game two really great teams it was just a joy fun to watch really great game Mm -hmm. Uh, what do you what do you say about ucla and the run they made right
1: yeah i mean you know going from the first four to the final four i mean you don't see that hardly ever you know they had to play one extra game than everybody else uh that made it that far uh and arguably had the toughest road played some very tough teams along the way um had to beat a michigan state team in the first game in overtime and then after that just kind of found their found their sweet spot i guess and just kind of caught fire and went on a little run and i guess that's all it takes really in march is just you know to start playing good basketball at the right time and uh that johnny juzang kid that hawkins kid those are great basketball players and that's a well-coached ucla team uh it sucks it had to end that way for them but i mean gosh you, you you can't really
0: you know hang your heads after the run they had for sure well you know um i will say this as again generationally speaking uh To see the Pac-12, to see UCLA back in the Final Four, Mm -hmm. that just brings sort of warm fuzzies. You know, like that's a cool thing. UCLA is always, you know, up until the last 10 years or so, was always one of those class programs, right? You know, you had the Dukes, and North Carolinas, the Kansas, Kentuckys, and UCLA. It was like you put them all in the same breath, and the UCL, the Bill Waltons, the Lou Sindors, I mean, just classic, the the, the the powder blue unis, like just a classic. So to see them back, I, I will say, seeing the Pac-12, seeing UCLA in their tournament, it just sort of brings back some, So making it all the more classic, right? To have especially in a year when none of those other teams were in the tournament, right? So it's kind of an interesting twist that you no kentucky no duke and kansas was a, a late exit um no north carolina it's crazy right so to have ucla make that run definitely made this uh final four uh much more interesting uh and, and fun i think for a lot of folks particularly for the west coast which gets very little love when it comes to national sports right, right? like right. getting the late games and all the rest you don't get the the the, the visibility that the east coast teams get so hopefully this is like a like a uh, will bring the Pac-12 back right. as far as being competitive and part of the mix. So have definitely had an amazing tournament. Yeah, I mean I mean
1: we talked about this a little bit before, but the the issue with the Pac-12 is you know those primetime games are going to always be shown on the east coast you know like all those duke north carolina teams those are going to always be the primetime games west coast is going to get no love so to see ucla play gonzaga these two west coast teams and have the whole nation watching them you got to believe some recruiting you know is definitely going to use that to their advantage you know what i mean like it's it's definitely going to be something they're going to Use as a stepping stone, I would hope, going forward. I mean, Gonzaga's already solidified themselves as a top program, but UCLA definitely making
0: a comeback, I think, for well, sure. Well, let's hope so. I mean, I just, like I said, I think it's good to have balance. It's good to have different conferences that are strong. Really competitive balance across the country makes for a far more interesting college basketball, you know, just college basketball in general. And so I'm. It's, Super congratulations to UCLA for having a great run there, and let's hope you're right. Uh, It it signals the the rise of the Pac-12 again, Uh, (laughs) and maybe at the expense of the Big Ten, uh, who, of course, we've talked about, had a horrible tournament. Michigan was the lone team that had a run and had a chance to make the final four and couldn't turn the corner. UCLA
1: shut them down. Yeah, like it was. I mean, that was a great team game too. Michigan had tons of chances to win that ball game down the stretch and. UCLA just hung on tight
0: um but yeah, yeah what a what a run right like <laughs> to beat Michigan uh, to beat uh Michigan State I mean classic like yeah these are also you know in that top echelon of of sort of programs. When you think about basketball, you think about Michigan, you think about Michigan State as well now. And so that's a pretty impressive run. It was fun to watch them. And so yeah, some, hopefully we'll see more of that down the road. Uh, overall a great tournament. It's an interesting time in college basketball right now. I think that you've got um, some change happening at the top. We heard about Roy Williams uh, retiring. Uh, you know, we, we haven't talked much about the Gophers hiring uh, Ben Johnson and Indiana making a call. And it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with that coaching position sort of a changing of the guard in north carolina and what this means and bodes for the for uh the ncaa i think we know that we you know the time is right for some of these high profile programs to be hiring uh, more black play black coaches and i'm going to be interested to see what that looks okay. like yeah. um indiana and minnesota made a commitment and i think uh there's a lot of enthusiasm and excitement around ben johnson in minnesota his ability to be able to to engage the Minnesota players and I'm really looking forward to see what Carolina does here in terms of maybe the beginning of a changing of the guard. Some of these Mm -hmm. old coaches are getting up there, the Krzyzewskis and the Izzos, Mm -hmm. and that next generation of coaches, it might be time to see what happens there. So I'm looking forward to a time of change in college basketball. It
1: definitely seems like an era is kind of coming to a close on some level, Um, you know. uh, like Jim Boeheims and the Coach Ks and, you know, the Bill Selfs and, like, all these coaches that have been around for what seems like forever doing what they do um, are finally starting, you know, to, you know, maybe keel off a little bit, you know, and uh, I think allow for some, some new some new guys to step in and uh, change the culture, I think, of college basketball as a whole. Um, not that the, col- the culture of college basketball was necessarily bad before, but I do think that, Uh, there's going to be some significant change um, just surrounding, you know, college basketball as a whole. Um, You know, stuff with, like, transfer portals and, you know, just uh, all these guys, you know, whether or not they actually do go to college or if they decide to go play overseas, I think that's starting to become a big conversation, you know, like, with athletes not getting a whole lot of, you know, compensation. Like, there's always that conversation. So it'll be interesting to see, like, going forward how um, these universities kind of play Uh, their cards a little bit in terms of hiring coaches to, I think, continue the push to keep college basketball
0: a powerhouse. Yeah, no, that's interesting. No, we haven't talked about LaMelo Ball and Mm -hmm. what he did and his choices and to see, of course, he's hurt, but was really lighting up the NBA as a rookie. And so you're absolutely right. Like, what do we, what, these players are going to have more and more choices and options and what are these programs going to do to be able to um, respond to that and be able to deliver, Um, an opportunity, and and I I agree, it's gonna require some change. I think there's just gonna be something different, and this one-and-done mentality of uh, college basketball, where, I mean, I think that's what these top-notch programs have been counting on, is like, you come play for me for a year, you know, be, be become better and go to the NBA. I, I think that there's going to have to be more than that. I mean, I think there's got, like, the level of competition. Anyways, there's a lot to talk about there. But no no question, it's been an unusual NCAA tournament, but it's been, it's been a fun one. It's yeah, been a, g- a really fun definitely. one. And uh, I'm looking forward to Monday night. I actually think it's going to be I, – I think Baylor, if we haven't talked about them, they they cruised against Houston. Mm-hmm. They hmm They I – w- I was pretty
1: skeptical about them for the most part. But, I mean – they definitely have proven themselves. And, like, when they've won, they've won pretty decisively uh, for the most part in this tournament. So, like, I'm, it'll be a good game, I hope. I think Gonzaga is going to have uh, – they're going to hit the ground running after that game. Um, I, I – I, we keep saying it. If they're going to win, this would be the year. Um, and we were just talking about this. Their hardest game might have potentially – they might have already played their hardest game um potentially facing that adversity um going to OT with UCLA like they might just cruise through this Baylor game who knows they they, they might just go out and play like the number one overall seed you know? so that's a
0: call is that a call
1: uh well um <laughs> despite uh I'm gonna make a little transition here since I did miss uh uh I guess I did miss a lot last night but you know what I didn't miss I didn't miss a whole lot of picks in our family bracket this year um I think it's official.
0: Yeah, uh, congratulations. Even though we haven't played the final game, it's because ninety percent of the bracket picked Gonzaga to win the championship. So there's nothing special about that pick. But you did just enough. I
1: just enough. I, I, I won by the hair on my chinny chin
0: chin. Shout out to my shout out to my friend Dan, uh, who is going to lose by potentially one point. Yes. Uh, one way or the other, no matter what happens uh, in the game on Saturday night uh, <laughs> or Monday night, uh, Ben's going to win the pool. Congratulations! I I really do think there was a conspiracy. You uh, you (laughs) told all of us to pick the Big Ten, the Big Ten, the Pac-12 was down. You said Pac-12 is going nowhere in this tournament. You completely played us. I've Uh, learned my lesson. I am not going to trust you ever again (laughs) with your basketball. I mean, you're 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 clearly cutthroat when it comes to winning the pool. I've learned the lesson now. My son is really not the person uh, I I thought he was. All right, I just Um, one (laughs) thing to say to that. I think I'm almost positive this is the first time i've won the
1: march madness pool ever and it's been around my entire life so anyways uh it is it it did seem very fitting that like the bracket that i just did the opposite of what you know i I, like the the bracket like i paid attention to uh I finished in last place. Like I'm gonna be up front. I finished in dead last in the bracket that I like thought I was gonna do the best in. And so obviously I had to do something different and that just happened to be in our family bracket. So it just it seems fitting that like on a year like this when like the Big Ten falls apart, and you know, I decide to put all my chips on th- in the Big Ten, but not in the Frozen Four. You know what I mean? Like yep. it
0: seems very fitting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, your mom, of course, who took your advice. Uh, uh and cares deeply about this pool it's, we should we should be clear that she's the most competitive person on, in this pool I mean, she had, of everybody she she had <laughs> some serious connections to this tournament this year uh with Winthrop being in it that's right that's right uh exactly but she ended up uh, finishing dead last and so we'll just make a note of that for the record so for all time Sorry, mom <laughs> I'm really sorry <laughs> <smart. laughs> mom actually always is pretty competitive she yeah. she gave up after the first two rounds she didn't watch she didn't even watch the game with me last night so yeah but uh, all right. anyways, well, let's, let's, yeah. let's talk some baseball. Yeah, it was another the other thing last night that happened. And uh, to me, it w- I don't know what it was, but I was giddy. I mean, this was a fantastic baseball game last night. The Twins, Brewers, uh, you have Corbin Burns pitching for the Brewers, uh, throwing just nasty, a nasty cutter, 96-mile-an-hour cutter, uh, painting the corners, blowing away Twins hitters. But meanwhile, La Maquina... La <laughs> With the uh, step for step, like it was a true pitcher's duel, one of the best actually that I can recall seeing in a long time. I mean, honestly, the game that comes to mind that matches it is that sit game seven and 91 when John Smoltz and Jack Morris, two Hall of Famers, mm. went toe to toe. This obviously didn't have near the stakes. But in terms of I mean, watching two guys at the top of their game, absolutely just shredding through two lineups for six-plus innings, um, that was something to watch. I mean, Barrios looks fantastic, um, and uh, definitely what, he was averaging 95 miles an hour on his fastball, which is a couple ticks up from where he was last year and he looked he was well literally he was unhittable
1: Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. yeah i mean when you look at
1: you know barrios and like where his success comes from it's it's always going to be based off his breaking ball um and last night it was off the charts it was untouchable at times it was when you mix it with that fastball, like, we've kind of talked about this a little bit, he added a couple miles per hour to his fastball. When you mix that in there with a curveball that drops off the table, but then he also mixed in his changeup uh, against the lefties, mostly, and that worked out great. And they all had the same plane. Like, they all started out on the same plane. Like, with Barrios, like, you know he's in trouble when he's, you know, missing up, you know, or he's kind of, like, you know, he's not centered in on, uh, his spots. It's it's very obvious when he's struggling out there and last night you could tell he was locked in Everything was on the same plane and it was just a guessing game I think at times for
0: players because they didn't know which way the ball was gonna go uh, So there's a great piece uh, in the athletic by Dan Hayes Uh, If you have a subscription, I definitely recommend it because they get at that next level, right? It's sort of telling you what the players are doing. And it was a great piece because it talked about the adjustments that Berrios has made. Um, The fact is, is that they made some adjustments in terms of getting him to be more um, sort of facing the plate a little bit more. He kind of had that tendency to sort of his body swing his body and sort of sling the ball, which… could facilitate a pretty amazing curveball, but also gets, it's hard to get that arm slot right, be able to get that motion, and to repeat that motion. And I think that explains a lot of why um, Jose has struggled at times, where he's had those sort of ups and downs, maybe even within a game, where he'll be cruising along and then he'll just sort of lose it. Um, and then kind of fall apart. And so the fact that he was I mean, that's what was most impressive like he had a, a Tiny, you know when he hit he hit a batter um, And it looked like he was starting to lose it, but then he figured out a way to lock it back in and uh, And that's that was what was amazing, right? He didn't have that down inning. He went toe-to-toe I mean against an outstanding pitcher. It would be easy to blink and he did not blink He just kept at his game. He was focused locked in I have to tell you something Ryan Jeffers I I remember last year some of uh, Barrios' best starts Uh, were when Jeffers was on, was behind the plate. So I think there's something there. I haven't heard many people talk about it, but Jeffers called, obviously called a great game. Um, one hitter, I mean, overall with the the bullpen coming in. Um, and so I, it's it's very interesting to watch sort of what Jeffers does with these pitchers and what kind of game he calls and how that works. But there was no question it was clicking, um, last night, no doubt about it. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and it was, it was also really nice to see, uh, like you take, burritos out and it was really nice to see uh those guys in the bullpen that we hadn't seen uh quite yet um like duffy came in did okay right so uh, rogers came and struck out the sides
0: so. yeah so i mean i think this is so this is i kind of get where you get excited right so you got uh uh Jose throwing six shutout innings, no hit innings, eighty-five pitches, and of course, early in the season, people are like, "Why did they take him out? Like, why didn't they let him go?" for Well, it's early in the year. We got a hundred and sixty-two game season. It's only game two. You got to let these guys work into their, um, get into their groove, right? So it was the, so, <laughs> the the story in the Athletic talks about how Jose didn't even know he had a no hitter. He was so locked in, they didn't even realize he had a no hitter. So when Baldelli pulls him from the game, um, he doesn't even realize it until after he's gotten the word that he's out that he recognizes. He said, I probably would have advocated for myself a little bit more but Mm -hmm. no doubt he understood what the coach was doing and he followed it and then so yeah, so then they go in and they put Rogers in, in the seventh, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because he's facing two lefties, including uh, Christian Yelich, of course, one of the premier hitters right. in the league. And what does Rogers do? He goes out there, and he's, his, his fastball's hitting 95, his, uh, that curveball uh, sl- slider is on fire, and he strikes out the side. And so, like, that's, that's what you're looking for, right? The, they, they, they had the matchups. Duffy comes in, has a little bit of a hiccup in the eighth, but nevertheless locks in, closes it down, and then Colum A does what Colum A does, which is he's not going to blow you away with with amazing stuff, he's not going to strike out the side, he's going to get soft contact and that's exactly what he did three guys all of them hit the ball softly nothing that was at all in danger and he returned after having that rough, rough first uh, clo- uh closing opportunity that uh, on thursday mm-hmm. came back and looked like the guy that i think they're counting on that's right. sort of nothing flashy but he just figures it out gets it gets the job done yeah definitely i
1: think uh definitely seeing Colin kind of bounce back was good to see uh if we're going to go back and kind of talk about Thursday uh uh in that last inning it seemed like where we you know we played eight good innings of baseball and then in the last inning we kind of fell apart but um it was defense more than anything that led to that loss um callme went out there um I think did he, he gave up a walk or something? The, the guy was the guy got him on, better. Yeah, he hit he hit the guy. That's right. He he had him he had him two strikes and then he hit him. And then the guy hits a little nubber and he tries to make the play at second when he should have just gone to first and gotten the out. Um, you're up three runs like with one out already. Yeah, with one out already. I don't know. He's trying to end the game with a double play, obviously, but like that's not the smart play. That runner doesn't mean nothing. So that was a bad play. Pulls him off the bag end up with two guys on and then that ball to Kepler I mean it's obviously not an easy play by any means but that's a ball we've seen Kepler catch before on many occasions and it just hit the palm of his glove bounced out and that kind of just ensued everything else that came afterwards Um, and so it wasn't necessarily Columet me pitching badly he didn't blow that save necessarily it was definitely a mixture of you know defense and like you know just a little bad luck i
0: think so yeah it was baseball i mean yeah. this is it you 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 don't you don't run out the clock in baseball you have to execute all the way and just one little hiccup will absolutely cause it i mean no question i mean the ball that kepler dropped i mean actually the statcast on that showed that like the percent the catching the likelihood of catching that ball was really low it's just that kepler is an actually an outstanding outfielder and he got to that ball um and so it looked like he should have had it but the fact is that the fact that he actually had a chance at it um was pretty spectacular and it just didn't you know that's just one of those instances where it didn't work out and yeah and the twins i mean weren't able to deliver i mean uh, honestly the recipe for last night was almost exactly the same as on thursday the the bullpen came in pulpen like retired like 11 guys in a row after duffy gave up a hit or something like that so they were doing everything that they were supposed to do it just one of those things and so i think people were fretting and of course you have to wait 48 hours for the next game because of this silly rule about having a day off after the first day Um, nevertheless uh, they came back and were solid um so so i i i I am not worried i think what i saw last night is a team that has uh really everything it needs in order to be successful of course this was without josh Donaldson and nelson cruz in the lineup they got it done so you know speaking of of josh Donaldson, uh so how's that uh how's your mvp pick working out for you
1: i was i was gonna transition into this but uh you did it for me um (laughs) Uh, so far, uh your uh MVP pick is looking far better than my MVP pick, I would say. Um Byron Buxton. I'm I'm ex- I mean, I'm not disappointed or pissed off or I mean, I'm a little salty that you know you you were right, but like uh Well, it's only game 2. I mean, dude. it is game 2, <laughs> but like it is game 2, but like it it, it is really awesome to see Byron doing this stuff um, And we, we were talking about it like he's not the skinny singles run it out beat it down the line kind of guy anymore he's he, He's he's a grown Up MLB player now he is he's in his prime and he looks
0: Good he looks locked in right I now. mean Yeah, I mean if these first two games are this the, a, a sample size that you can extrapolate for the whole season if he plays like he's has these first two games for 162 games we're we're definitely starting we're going to start put his his name is going to be in the conversation with the top in baseball he's got every skill he's a five skill player he can hit for power he's got of course we've talked about tremendous speed and defense and um yeah he's in that um I mean his skill set is in that Mookie Betts uh, Mike Trout. It's in that stratosphere, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. He just has to prove it. He has to be able to translate those skills. And there's no question. So here's the thing that that's exciting, right? Like it wasn't what what he's done these last two days is not necessarily about his physical talent. It was about his baseball. IQ and what he's doing and he clearly i mean they had an interview with him before the game last night Where he's like he feels more comfortable than ever feels more confident. He feels like he's the game has slowed down for him he's feeling like he is Understands the game at a level that he knew he needed to get to Um, and there's no question. He took two walks um, On Thursday plus the bomb which was truly a bomb a four hundred fifty six foot just crushed it it was the longest home run on opening day the scoreboard yeah just completely destroyed it um and uh and so the two walks right like that's the thing that gets me excited i hate to say that but that means that he's 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 in the box he's letting the ball travel he's seeing the ball right um and even on that home run last night right so we're talking about um burns right he's throwing this incredible late breaking um cutter that's 96 miles an hour and he sees him and that's exactly what he hits out. And so, so what that at bat showed me is that he went up there with a plan, he was looking for the cutter, um, he had to adjust his swing, he needed to know where he wanted the ball to go, he knew he needed to go away with it, like it he, he wasn't about pulling it, he knew he had to go opposite way with it, um, and he executed it perfectly, right, like he, he adjusted his swing, he adjusted his approach, he looked for the pitch, he knew the pitch, so that's what the pitch he was looking for, he got it. And he executed perfectly, so that to me is a major league at bat um, a guy that understands has a plan, and executes a plan, and that's what it takes to be that top level major league player, I mean, with the skills that he has so tremendous it's super exciting to yeah, see him do that I think
1: going if we're going to just compare the two home runs um, the first one was. The bomb. It, it was on a breaking ball, like it was a slow breaking ball. It was like a seventy-seven mile an hour breaking ball, or something like that. And the Byron Buxton that we were used to seeing would swing right over the top of that and be six feet out front and be pulling his head. And you know, and he shortened up his swing and kept his hands back and was still able to hit the ball 450 feet like he's he's capable of that and so to see him also go the other way on a 96 mile an hour fastball it just shows us like how much he's grown and, and how much he's matured as a hitter
0: uh from what we've seen no no question year. i mean even um <laughs> we're getting into the weeds here but even his first at bat last night he, he falls down 0 and two and how many times have we watched Byron Buxton go down 0-2 in account, and then you just know it's a slider away, and he's going to swing over it, and it's like the bat's over It almost it doesn't even matter where the pitch is. Yeah, like, yeah. it's like slider away off the plate. it Doesn't right. matter. Where and so, so what does he do? So it's 0-2. So actually, they don't throw the slider away. They throw uh, something in on his hands. So I don't know if that was a changeup or what it was, but again, he pulled his hands in. He got the barrel on it. It was a lazy fly ball to the left field, but it still was a competitive at-bat, right? Like, the, the Byron Buxton that was, was struggled was not having competitive at-bats when he would fall 0-2. The fact that he saw that ball, he reacted to it, he executed, he pulled his hands in, and he put a swing on it, I mean, it was an out, but that's still something. To me, that tells me that he's more present, he's, he's not overwhelmed, and he is seeing the ball. Um, And so I I don't know It's obviously way early and you know cross our fingers knock on wood everything that you need to do to hope that the man stays healthy because um, All these first two games he's been really truly excellent And so I'm really I'm excited and hopefully he can stay healthy and uh, he can Keep doing this because it looks he looks different already. He just definitely looks different in the box. Yeah, I mean
1: i don't think we knocked on wood enough in terms of injuries uh but uh we had our uh, perfect lineup for all of about 13 <laughs> minutes again <laughs> yeah. um it wasn't even that much i, I got to, like it was it was such a roller coaster of emotions like donaldson hits it in the gap and i go let's go and they immediately cut to him turning first base and i see him pull up and i'm like oh, like are you kidding are you kidding yeah no, no um, question like my heart dropped. yeah it was it was like oh my god like it was right on cue you know what I mean like it, it was it was it was tough to watch but it sounds like um, it's a hamstring thing not a not a calf thing which I guess is somewhat of a positive I think yeah. um, they put him on the IL um, hopefully for more precautionary reasons uh, and we hope to see him back fairly soon. Uh, And and like we said, it's 162 games. We expected him to not play all 162. We expected 120, 130, best-case scenario, I think. Um, So if he misses, you know, next couple games, just you know, make sure everything's 100% going forward, I think we're going to be okay with that because, I mean, that one – the one at-bat he had, you know, like he was – He turned on that fastball and smoked it, you know, so I I, from the end of the spring coming into that at bad It looked like he was really starting to feel it at the plate. And so that's why uh, It'd be great to see him back in the lineup fairly soon. So he can kind of keep that groove
0: Yeah, I'm gonna choose to be optimistic at this point. They said a mild strain They said Donaldson says that he's actually feels pretty good right now. They're gonna give it a couple of days I think that when they get to Detroit, they'll test it out and see how he's doing. He's on the 10-day IL, so he's not gonna play for the next week or so. And I think, it's, I think this is what we've talked about a little bit, which is the Twins feel—I mean, the fact that they can put a rise out there at third base and um, Jake Caven left, and still be a, a, a still a pretty solid lineup I mean I mean arise I mean already is doing what he does well I mean we didn't even talk about his first at bat on Thursday if it wouldn't have been for the a ridiculous play we would have had basically it would have been one nothing. right Donaldson would have doubled and Arise right. would have scored and we would have been on our way and so it's just classic you know this is what baseball is things like that happen and so the fact that they can put him out there um, and whether that's because Donaldson needs a blow or it's because he's dinged up they got somebody out there that they can put out there and um, and they still have a solid major league lineup. I mean, yeah, they didn't knock the cover off the ball these last two games, but they definitely executed um, and so I'm, I'm going to be optimistic that they're going to take they're taking it slow and they were conservative. If this was the heat of a pennant race and they needed his bat in the lineup desperately to go against some nasty left-hander, then he, he may not have you know been, been put on the DL, on the IL. So I'm going to think that they're just playing it super conservative, they're seeing the long game here, um, and that he'll be back fine. Um, you know, when, by the time you know the Twins are back home or when they you know i don't know what i think it's 10 days so if it starts thursday that means it'll be like maybe he could come back that monday after opening weekend next weekend but mm-hmm. we'll see but anyway
1: yeah uh, i think one bright spot we also didn't really uh talk about too much we, we saw a rise uh get thrown in the leadoff spot and we saw kepler drop to the number five spot I believe. He was clean up, I think. Cleanup, yeah. Was he clean up on day first day. First day he was clean up. yeah. yeah. Um but anyways, we talked about that switch before and what we liked it and we immediately saw um exactly what we hoped to see um from that switch. So we saw a rise getting on base and we saw Kepler driving people in. Even though we didn't get the win on Thursday kepler had two hits um three hits I think. three hit- they have three oh, yeah that's just so that was so good to see for him just i mean after hitting you know under a buck i think in spring training almost like yep. just to see him kind of step up and uh remind us that he's he's here and he's for real and he's here to stay um i think in our lineup as long as uh he's doing what he's supposed to and being max kepler we know he can he's capable of being so
0: um. yeah no great start by him Uh, yeah i I think all things so far um, all things considered i think you can't be too upset about being one-on-one and and seeing how the team has performed and uh and the brewers are a good baseball team i mean there's many who are picking them to win uh the nl central they're definitely going to be a playoff cut caliber team this is not a slouch of a team and so um and so they absolutely um have played with them and, uh, and so, yeah, we'll see how it goes today. We got uh, Big Mike on the Hill today, and I'm, gonna, I'm feeling pretty good about that. And we'll see if we can get that W, get the win, and go off to Detroit uh, and take on the, the juggernaut that is the Detroit Tigers. Akil Badu and the Tigers. That's right. He gets his first start. Akil Badu, a Twins prospect who had been injured and hadn't played above single A. But a super talented uh, outfielder, uh, the Twins left him, uh, um, exposed him to the Rule 5 draft, which is, um, you know, part of the winter meetings that every year happens, and they thought that they could sneak him through because he hadn't played above single A and he'd been injured. So they thought no, nobody would. But the Tigers are a desperate bunch, they're looking for talent, and they picked him up, and Badu, had a ridiculous spring training and made the club, and so he is getting his first major league start today. So it'll be fun to watch that and see how he does. I mean, when you talk about former twins, it's, it's kind of interesting. I mean, you can talk about Eddie Rosario. He did his first home run last night for the Indians, and guess what he did? <laughs> uh, maybe even more noteworthy, he walked twice. <laughs> so, really? So how many times wow. in the, uh, his career in the in the Twins with the twins did he walk twice in a game? You could probably count it on your hands. Yeah, uh honestly. so uh, the fact so who knows? And he's got something to prove. More power to the man. We love him, we miss him, hope he's successful, just not against the twins. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Definitely. <laughs> So, yeah, that was the other funny thing in opening day. I don't know if you saw it. And, uh, yeah, that's and it and was snowing and Cabrera s- hits Crab- the bomb. The fr- literally the frozen
1: yeah. rope out <laughs> of <on a, laughs> right field, you know. Uh, and then slides into second base
0: because he couldn't see that the ball had cleared yeah, the fence. Yeah, he had no idea where it
1: went. He just hit it and started running.
0: And so, so that so. would have been, if he would have gotten hurt, that would have been the worst injury in the history of injuries, if that would have happened.
1: It would have been very
0: Miggy though. You know what I mean? He would <laughs> he's, he, of course, he's, like, sliding
1: into second base, you know, on something like like that. Like, that's just the kind of guy he is, you know?
0: Yeah, but no. A, a Miguel Cabrera that's hitting the baseball well is good for baseball. Oh, yeah. Not necessarily good for the Twins, but it's definitely good for no, baseball. No, 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 no. So, so, Tigers off for a good start. Royals are hitting the ball all over the ballpark, of course, mm-hmm. against maybe the worst pitching staff in all of baseball, the Texas Rangers. Oof. I mean, they had Kyle Gibson you as an Kyle Gibson's on that staff. <laughs> yeah, he absolutely did not. Yeah, deliver I heard he gives. gave up like
1: five first run innings or something in his first
0: start. Yeah, so, yeah. we, you know, Kyle, we love the guy, but uh, yeah, they're um, missing Lance Lynn right now. I bet. Yeah, well, <laughs> he had a, you know, he also lost last night. Lynn did, did he? Know, oh, I think wow. so. I think. He, well, he may not have gotten the loss, but the, the 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 White Sox lost to the Angels. Yeah, that's right. They did blow it late. Um, yeah. So this. the White Sox, the vaunted. Uh, White Sox bullpen with Lim Hendricks as the, you know, anchor of that has definitely not delivered the good so far. Mm-hmm. Two late-inning sort of bullpen blow-ups uh, have caused their two losses. And so, yeah. Meanwhile, but on the other hand, they have their version of La Tortuga, yeah. uh, it looks like, who's uh, off to an illustrious start uh, as a Chicago White Sox. Yeah. Uh, Yermin Mercedes. Uh, Sounds
1: like he is kind of taking over the Eloy Jimenez spot in the order uh, from what
0: I can hear But dude's 8 for 8 so far this year. Well, he started out 8 for 8. I think it finally got he out He finally, he finally got, got out, got out, out but, but his first 8 at-bats 8 hits. Yeah, like including a bomb.
1: Yeah um, He hit one out in his first at-bat second game. So um, it was I mean, I didn't I didn't know anything about this guy I just know that he was probably one of the guys that they asked to fill in for Jimenez when he got hurt but i mean if he's gonna be hitting like this they probably won't lose too much uh within that lineup after him and is going down so um yeah another guy to worry about in that lineup i guess if you're twins fans maybe well but let's see let's wait and yeah, see again he, yeah, he might he might you know not get a hit until august so like who That's knows right. you know so we'll see but um that lineup can
0: definitely uh if they can put it all together, they're, they're a scary bunch of guys still. Yeah, no, they're still a good lineup. There's no question. They're, they're not going away. Uh, I think there's just going to be a competitive race to the end. I actually think, yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, if you're a Twins fan and you're thinking the Twins are going to do what they've done the last two years and you're gonna and they don't deliver on that, um, yeah, you can be disappointed that they're not hundred on a 100-win team for the second, you know, third year in a row. I mean, they were on pace for 100 wins last year if it would have been a full season. I I don't think that has, we should take that as any indicator that this is a weaker Twins team. The the rest of the division is better, I mean, with the exception of the Indians who are definitely stepping back. The Royals, um, you know, they they made some interesting pickups. They've got some talent there, they've got some pitching. Um, the Tigers, obviously, are young, and, you know, th- I think they're a bit, a bit better team. So, and of course, the Twins had their struggles with the Tigers last year anyway, so, so I, I actually think it's gonna be um, a much more competitive division. I'm gonna take that as a positive, that that's gonna make the Twins, it's gonna help the Twins be a stronger club, uh, playing competitive teams and competitive games. They may not win. They may be more of a—I mean, I think projections have them around 91 wins, um, which I think is uh, nothing to uh, be um, disappointed in. But it's going to be a competitive division. I don't think there's any question that it's going to be much more competitive than it has been the last couple of years. Definitely. For sure. Um, Well, kind of—we didn't
1: even talk about this, but today is Easter. So happy Easter to you. Happy Uh, Easter, everybody. And uh, what better way to spend our Easter Sunday— than uh at a ballpark at Coors Field so we are uh we're one of the we're attending the Rockies Dodgers game um socially distanced socially distanced obviously we're going to be wearing some face coverings but holy shit I'm excited to go to a (laughs) baseball game you know it's I mean just seeing like highlights of fans in the stands you know the reactions like it's not obviously full capacity but like it's just different, you know, it's a different vibe, and I think everybody's loving that stadiums are back open and people can go watch their favorite teams. So we're, we're doing that today. Um, Rockies are playing the Dodgers, and... If we're gonna talk about that, then I think uh, we have to have a little Trevor
0: time. Um, we need to have a little theme music every time, like Trevor Bauer, like t- it's Trevor, Trevor time, time. <laughs> you know, like something like that. Like that's uh, right. Maybe, maybe for two reasons: one, to give people a warning to say we're gonna be talking about Trevor Bauer. So yeah. if you want to turn off the podcast like at this it, point, this is a turn, turn it time. off.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so um, but yeah, maybe if it's catchy enough, like he'll put us in his blog or something, and like he'll like give us, you know.
0: Well, you need to probably you know start. Uh, um, Oh. That I was reaching out, should I start reaching out? Yeah, using yeah. the play and catch Twitter feed, uh-huh. sending something out to Bauer at Bauer outage at
1: Bauer outage That's uh, right. to
0: let them know that we've got a little um, a fan club oh, we going got, on. We got a,
1: we got a great fan club going, but um. Trevor Bauer made uh, a start on Friday uh, against the Rockies, and I was telling uh, Bruce. Speaking of six inning no hitters. Yeah, I was telling Bruce, it might have been the most Trevor Bauer start I've ever witnessed. Um, he went six hitless, and then went into the seventh, and proceeded to give up two two run home runs. So um, the Dodgers were up 10 0 at this time, so luckily he still got the win. Uh, but he, yes, it was six perfect innings, and then. uh I think we saw the Trevor Bauer that hooked the ball over the Kansas City center field fence, maybe, uh, within those You lines know, he's, it's, it's
0: almost like um, it's got to be a meme now of him, uh, the look on his face and his body language when he gives up a home run. It's like it's pretty much the same body language where he throws that ball up there and then he kind of has this thing where he turns his head and his body looks and he's got this look on his face. He just, like, knows it. He just, like, he just knows when he's giving it up. And it's like, mm, okay, you know, like, that's the thing. But yeah, definitely he looked amazing for six. He was definitely uh, outstanding. And then he, yep, he kind of did Trevor Bauer and, and yeah. gave up the long ball. I mean, I think that probably tells you something about the kind of pitcher it is, right? Like he, he doesn't mess around, he's going to come after you and uh, if you can get your You know, he's going to, if you can hit him, he's like, I'm throwing it in there. You got it. I dare you to hit it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if you saw that. We didn't talk about this a couple weeks ago. He had a a matchup in um, spring training with Jose Ramirez. Yeah. You see that footage? Where he was telling Ramirez uh, when he was pitching. He 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 was showing him what pitches he was going to throw. He'd like put the number one for fastball up or the number two for the curveball. And he still struck out Ramirez. (laughs) And uh, the look on that was He could tell he was completely, he was totally delighted. And even Ramirez, I think had a little chuckle
1: i mean yeah ramirez was drawing at him i think the whole game too they 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 were having some fun which was super cool but uh um yeah i i'm gonna be honest like i uh i'm i'm a little surprised kershaw got the ball on opening day if i'm being completely honest i think he i know he's their guy he's been their guy and that's probably why he got the ball but um I think both Bueller and Bauer are better pitchers than Kershaw at this point. So if you're going to put your best pitcher out there on opening day, I don't know. Well, they
0: know clearly that. want Bueller to start in Dodger Stadium, I guess. I'm assuming yeah. and that's why he didn't get to start. I mean, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, Kershaw, there's no question he is not the pitcher that he was, but he is sort of the franchise um, I mean, sort of. He's the guy who brought the franchise into competitiveness again. He's been that that backbone. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, he's b- so he got the start. He didn't obviously yeah, do what he not d- yeah. His ERA in Coors Field has got to be horrible. I swear, every yeah, time he does not he pitch I don't think he pitches well here. Something about his curveball. I mean, we always talk about Coors Field. Something about the the altitude affects. Um, what pitches do here, like they don't break as much, and he's got that wicked curveball. And something tells me that it doesn't quite have, I don't know what it is, but there's no question that the Rockies have had their fair share of success against Clay Kershaw. I'm su- actually, yeah, for that reason, a little surprised that, right, they had him start opening day mm-hmm. when they could have maybe held him back for Dodger Stadium. But, um, uh, anyway the Rockies definitely got to him and got the opening night opening day victory I was I was just tracking the end of that game they had a bases loaded Mookie bets at the yeah. plates. and uh is it Daniel Bard is their closer Bard, yeah the, he was bringing some
1: serious heat he, right uh, yeah he's he has a cool story um he uh was out of baseball for a while and then made a comeback um but he I guess is their closer it looks like and he had a great year last year Um, really came out of nowhere and stepped up in that Very thin bullpen that the Rockies have right now. So uh, he's definitely fun to watch for sure. Um, we haven't really seen an arm like that, I don't think, since Ottavino was there um, a few years back. Um, I think Ottavino was the best reliever the Rockies have had uh, past couple of years with that slider. But um, yeah, so Dodgers up two games, the one in the series right now. We got uh, the fourth one this afternoon. So uh, I think Urias is facing. I don't even know his first name, but Gomber is the r- pitcher for the Rockies. So. Um, all right, that'll well, be interesting to see what happens today. But um, yeah, I think that's a lot all, of fun. I, I
0: think that's all we got this week Yeah, no kidding. Uh, so yeah, well uh, our first game of the year under the belt um, Twins today, hopefully a W and yeah uh, We're done for this week on to Detroit after that then Home opener against home. the Mariners. Yeah, yeah home, home sweet home. So that's looking right. forward to that. So uh, Thanks for joining us. Yeah. We'll see you next time, next few weeks on Playing Coach. Thanks, guys.